0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember, we can only give general medical advice during the program. And every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Danny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. Your host, Dr. David Hilden, is in the studio with a special guest. Good morning. Good morning, did Danny. You have a good week? I've had a really good week. How about you? I did as well, yeah. Uh, busy at the hospital, I presume.
1: It, yeah, it has been busy. Um, I, I took a couple of days off. You know, it's MEA weekend. That's right. And, I, you know, I don't think it's been actually M for in for Minnesota Education Association for years, but I still call it that. Have, Everybody have had does. kids in school, but my wife works for the school, so we... We took a little, a couple days off and went, stayed on a farm in near Menominee, Wisconsin.
0: To do chores?
1: Yeah, we almost. You know, it was it was one of these Airbnb deals where you stay at a cabin and know and, oh, that, and that uh, kind of on neat. the edge of a farm. You didn't you didn't actually work the farm, but there were cattle walking around. And it was fabulous. I just loved it. That's great. <laughs> it was just great. So. Um, got get away, away, from, got get, away a little bit. Did you
0: back off on your cell phone and stuff like that? Yeah. Good. You
1: barely used it at all. There were That's like 220 good. emails waiting for me when I got
0: there. I'm sure. Well, we have, and you and I mentioned it off the air, we have a big topic to talk about today. We certainly welcome our listeners' calls and text messages. And before you introduce your guest, let me give our phone number and text number. They're the same. Six. Well, not the numbers are the same, but ones we've been using for years. 651-989-9226 is the phone line. The text number is eight one eight zero seven. So feel free to use uh, either one of those when we get the show underway.
1: Thank you, Danny. Um, we're going to talk about an important topic today, and today's show is going to try to answer this question for you: If you are an older, healthy adult, should you be taking an aspirin? That's what we're going to try to answer in in basically in a nutshell. And we're going to get into some of the nuances of that. My guest today is Dr. Ann Murray, and and she is an expert in this, but that's kind of an understatement. Sometimes I feel so privileged to work where I do because I, like doctors around the country and around the world, have to interpret medical literature, look at the research, look at the science, and try to make uh, give advice to our patients. And um, that's, that's um, a big task. It's part of what we have to do. Well, today... And, and I get to just talk to the person who actually did the research. <laughs> and so, Dr. Murray is um, a geriatrician. She's a doctor and a researcher who has recently concluded the, and published a, a major study. In fact, I believe it's the largest study on taking aspirin if you're an older, healthy adult. So, first of all, thanks for being here, Ann.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure.
1: Great to have you here. So she's been doing the jet set thing, haven't you? Yeah, I have. So I talked to her a couple weeks ago. I said, said, hey, you're going to be on the show. We're going to talk about the aspirin study. And she goes, well, that would be great, but I'm off to Berlin to talk about the aspirin study. So tell us, if you would, first of all, about your career. What do you do at Hennepin? Yeah.
2: So I'm an internist, so internal medicine, and then specialize in geriatrics, a geriatrician. And I'm also an epidemiologist, so I got a master's in epidemiology, which is the study of the pattern of disease, risk factors for disease. Um, And at Hennepin, I do mostly research now, but I also still see geriatric patients, and my special interest is dementia. Um, And my research career has largely focused on dementia, so all types of dementia, not just Alzheimer's. Um, but especially in people that have kidney disease or diabetes. That's been a a separate uh, focus of my research. But I had the opportunity about 10 years ago to join the research team that was conducting this study. We're going to talk about today the ESPRI study, which is aspirin in reducing events in the elderly. Um, And this was conducted at the Berman Center for Outcomes and Clinical Research, which is based at Hennepin. Um, And uh, the Berman Center has been in existence for over 25 years, and it's largely known for conducting cardiovascular clinical trials, so trials that look at heart disease and stroke outcomes. Um, And we were approached about 10 years ago by the National Institute on Aging and by an Australian group of researchers in Melbourne, Australia, at Monash University, um, to see if we might partner with them to conduct a large trial of low-dose daily aspirin in healthy people 70 and older. And uh, the idea was to, instead of just looking at what what previous trials had looked at, which is heart, heart and stroke outcomes or cardiovascular disease outcomes, and whether aspirin might prevent those um, in people who hadn't had them before, um, we were going to look at the primary outcome being: can we, does aspirin prolong healthy independent life in the elderly 70 and older? Um, and the reason that outcome instead of heart disease was chosen was because we all felt that that was a much more important outcome, much more important element in people's lives than heart disease by itself. Um, and being able to be alive and independent without dementia or disability is what's really most important to people 70 and older who otherwise um, have not had heart disease.
1: So you were specifically looking at healthy years of living.
2: Right, right. Without,
1: without dementia, without, without disability, without Without dying.
2: Yeah, you know? so when, when we define disability as being able to, but not being able to perform at least one primary activity of daily living, so... Um, such as walking, eating, bathing. Um, so you had to be independent in all those primary activities. Um, so
1: what do we already know about aspirin in yeah, that population? Yeah. So, older, so these are healthy people, right? they are healthy people. Healthy so, people, 70 and older.
2: So they could not have had a previous history of a heart attack or a stroke or atrial fibrillation or congestive heart failure. Um, and no dementia and no disability to be enrolled in the study, and also have a five year, at least a five year life expectancy. They were allowed to have a previous history of cancer, um, but not be be on treatment at the time for cancer.
1: So you've got this this group in Australia and the United States. Yeah. In this country, you said it was the National Institute of Aging that is the United right. States government, right? Right, that's and it.
2: that's part of the National Institutes of Health, one of the. Um, departments of the National Institute of Health.
1: So that's a publicly funded study here. It is. You studied this group of people, relatively healthy older adults. They took aspirin. Can you tell us what you found?
2: Yeah. So they took aspirin for almost five years. Um, That was uh, over 19,000 people, about 85% of them in Australia, 15% in the U.S., and the majority were white, Um, only about uh, less than 10% of the entire population was black or Hispanic, and those were all in the US. And what we found was that aspirin did not provide benefit for either dementia, disability or death. It did not prevent any of those <coughs> excuse me, nor did it um, reduce the risk of heart disease, cardiovascular disease. and in fact, um, the the risks of taking aspirin outweighed the benefits and that primary risk is bleeding. So the risk of bleeding was 40% higher um, in those who took aspirin versus those who didn't. And most of the bleeding was from the upper GI tracts of the stomach and, and uh, upper intestines um, and some also a little bit of bleeding in the brain or, or what we call cerebral hemorrhage. Um, and the other thing was that it appeared that the risk of death was slightly higher, although we didn't have um, the absolute statistical power to say that because it was not our primary endpoint. Um, but it was it, it was very cautionary <laughs> to find that it appeared the death rate was slightly higher. Slightly higher, higher yeah. in the people that took yeah. aspirin.
1: So you've just said a few words that might make a couple people raise their eyebrow over their coffee. Right. You just said that healthy older adults, the risk of bleeding or maybe, maybe even the risk of dying is worse right. if they take an aspirin and that right. there was no benefit. Right. To your heart or living without disability or dementia.
2: Right. Were you surprised by that? (laughs) Or cancer prevention, which was- It didn't seem to help that even? No. Um, So there had been previous studies suggesting that aspirin, if taken for a long time, so between five and 10 years, um, appeared to decrease the risk of colon cancer and maybe other cancers and metastases and decrease the risk of cancer death. And we found that it did not prevent cancer, and actually that the number of cancer deaths was increased in the aspirin group, which was another really big surprise.
1: That is also surprising. So I think a lot of people, probably out there right now, maybe quite a few are taking an aspirin who who would fit into the the group for the Aspire study. That, That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's probably some that are, why why are they? Why do we take aspirin? What yeah. is there some yeah, some good well, reason
2: why it's a it's a combination of um, previous studies that have suggested that in younger people so between the ages of 50 and 69 but mostly the 50-year-old 50-year-old group um, there appeared to be a protective effect of aspirin against heart disease and stroke if you had a high risk of those events so um if you had uh, poorly controlled high blood pressure, diabetes, a very strong family history, um, and high cholesterol, and you had a high risk of cardiovascular disease, then there there might be about a 10% decreased risk if you take an aspirin. But only in the younger population. Only in
1: people in their 50s.
2: Yeah. There was nothing. There were no guidelines to fill that gap of people 70 and older to tell us what to do. But I... I think that um, physicians and the general public were under the impression that, well, we have these studies that show that aspirin actually prevents recurrent episodes of heart attack or stroke, and that is definite. Um, or it was in those age groups, in those younger age groups, not in the older age groups. Um, so if it prevents recurrent cancer, or uh, sorry, recurrent heart disease and stroke, then probably it might prevent the first event.
1: But that was fact, the thought.
2: That was the thought. So that was secondary prevention, um, re- preventing a recurrent event, um, appeared to be true um, based on clinical trials in younger, mostly people in their middle age, um, but not for primary prevention, which is what a spree was. So,
1: so I think I have probably told people um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Take yeah. an aspirin. Take a baby aspirin. Yeah. Do that. Probably not going to hurt you. And who knows? It might help. Because I have also been on, you know practicing under that, yeah. that impression yeah. based on some evidence. Yeah. Well, based on the good evidence that if you've had a heart attack, yeah. you have coronary disease, if you've had a stroke, it's a good idea. That's not who we're talking about that here. That is
2: not who we're talking about. But
1: then about. we took it to the next level.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we yeah. kind of said, hey, everybody else well, I probably won't hurt you.
2: Yeah, and actually quite a few patients, I think, decided to, you know, it's easy to get in the drugstore, and we've heard so many good things about it. Why not take it?
1: It's just aspirin, after all. We're talking with Dr. Ann Murray about whether healthy older adults would benefit from taking an aspirin, and the surprising results are, well, probably not. So we're going to talk more. We'll we'll take your calls and questions as well.
0: Absolutely. If you have a question for the doctor, 651-989-9226. Or send a text like some folks are already doing, 81807. Talking about aspirin this morning on Healthy Matters here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about aspirin. Should we be taking it or not? And here again is your host. And by the way, we're taking phone calls and text messages uh, left and right here. So if you do have a question, by all means, call it in or text it in. And here again is Dr. Hilden.
1: Thank you, Danny. We're talking to Dr. Ann Murray. She is a clinician and researcher at Hennepin Healthcare and the Berman Center. We're talking about the ESPRI study, which was a large study recently concluded. I'd like to point out that um, uh, the, the, the aspirin in the healthy elderly study, of which we're talking, was recently published by Dr. Murray and her team uh, here in and in Australia in the New England Journal of Medicine. And if you're not um, familiar with that, that is Oh, it's the premier. It's one of the one or the two top medical journals in the world. And um, to get something published in the New England Journal means it's a big deal. Well, Dr. Murray had three different articles published this fall in the New England Journal, so it's a big deal times three. So I want you to tell us, if you could, a little bit more, um, and about about the study. and how, So how did you get this thing in New England Journal? It must have been... A large study, right? Should we, you know, a, tell a, us more about it.
2: Yeah, it, it was uh, really a huge study. So it really took 10 years to conduct, um, about three years to get the grant funding after multiple attempts, and then um, about four years to recruit 19,000 patients in Australia and the U.S. In the U.S., there were 34 different sites where we recruited from. In an Australia, hundreds because they were recruited – from their general practitioners' offices, their clinics, um, because they have a a really well-run public health system where everybody has a general practitioner Um, and also an excellent medical record system to follow them with. Um, And then everybody was seen once a year for, uh, on average, five years, some more than that. And we did detailed cognitive testing, physical function testing, medical history and then followed their medical records for hospitalizations for anything that they were hospitalized for, did blood tests and in a, a subsample, a smaller part of the group we also got brain MRIs, um, sleep studies, macular degeneration, eye studies. Uh, it was really uh, a very broad, inclusive very comprehensive massive. It was a massive study. Um, and I'm just tremendously privileged to have been part of it and us at the Berman Center. Um, and uh, excited that we're able to hopefully improve public health by these results.
1: I think most definitely you have. Um, This is changing the entire conversation about aspirin in um, older adults. So we are talking about the ESPRI study, which has found that there is no benefit uh, for older, healthy adults over age 70 to taking aspirin. In fact, there's a little bit of a risk to doing so. So we're talking about the nuances of that um, with Dr. Ann Murray. We have a lot of text messages Mm -hmm. and some phone calls. Maybe we'll do that because there's some people have been waiting.
0: All right. Elaine is first up here calling from Brooklyn Park. Go ahead, Elaine. Thank you.
2: Hi, very interested to hear about the study, and my husband about a year ago, 74, very healthy, had a um, disoriented memory lapse, didn't even know me for maybe a few minutes. So he went to his internist, and his internist said, I'm not sure if you had a TIA or not, but why don't you start taking a baby aspirin once a day? I only heard baby aspirin once in your conversation so far yeah. and I only heard stroke once. So I'm wondering what the connection is and what your opinion is. Great questions, Elaine. It is Elaine. a great question and the 74-year age is right in the age group of this population. So in general, we, as you know on this program, we can't give specific patient advice but um, if in fact your husband had had um, a stroke, or it was very likely that he had a TIA, he would be a candidate for being on aspirin to prevent a recurrence of a TIA or stroke. And the um, 81 milligrams is the correct dose, and that is um, very similar to the dose that was used in spree. A baby aspirin in the U.S. is 81, but in the rest of the world, it's 100 milligrams. So we used 100 milligrams of the coated aspirin or enteric-coated um, to try to decrease the risk of bleeding in the stomach. Um, so so I can't give specific advice, but um, I can follow what your husband's physician was thinking.
1: So, the, And the difference there is that he maybe did have An, a different reason for needing aspirin, that right. being a stroke or right. a TIA. right. So is aspirin helpful in that population, people who have had strokes already?
2: Yes. So we do know there have been previous large studies showing that in people who have had a heart attack or a stroke um, or have atrial fibrillation that they do benefit from aspirin. It reduces their risk of a, a recurrent heart attack or stroke by at least 10% and maybe more in some groups.
1: All right, Elaine. Thank you for that question. I want to follow up a little bit more on what Elaine said about the dosing. You said in um, because there are several text messengers sure. as well. Yeah. There are different doses of aspirin. We use right. the term a baby aspirin, which right. is something oddball dose of eighty one. It is. The rest yeah. of the world uses a hundred. Right. Is there is is all of the preventive stuff done at that lower dose? So if people are on one, it's usually it the lower now. dose. It
2: is now. Yeah, and that was that is because it's been shown that. Three hundred and twenty five or you know, a standard aspirin dose is really no more effective than the baby aspirin and has higher bleeding risk.
1: Okay. So the unless your doctor told you to for some specific reason yeah. to take that higher dose, like you had heart disease or something, right. you should be on the, the lower dose. Right. Could you say more about the the coated business as well? There's yeah. a text about that as yeah. well. What what does the enteric coating yeah. mean? So
2: the coating just prevents the aspirin from dissolving in your stomach. As quickly as it would would with uh, without the coating, and thus decrease the risk of stomach ulcers and bleeding. Um, however, there's a little bit of debate as to whether that's the best thing to do because it also may reduce its effectiveness as an anti clotting agent. Um, there are some recommendations that if you're you're supposed to be on a daily aspirin, you should be taking something to prevent ulcers, such as. Uh, uh, proton pump inhibitor or what we call an H2 blocker, both um, actually freely available without a prescription now. So something um, like Prilosec or Omeprazole for a PPI or Xantac uh, or Ranitidine for an H2 blocker. And um, there's definitely a decreased risk of bleeding if you are on those medications. So that's something to consider when prescribing a daily aspirin.
1: After the break, in the second half of the show, we're going to try to answer the following question. If you are already on an aspirin, should you stop based on this study? So I want you to be thinking about that if you would. In the meantime, I want to read you this text message because it gets to the heart of how we do medical science. And this says, FYI, I was in your study for the entire time. A couple weeks ago, I found out I was on the placebo. It was a great study. Thank you. That's from Mary.
2: It's terrific.
1: You know, to get people into studies, you've done a good thing for the world there. Thank you, Mary, for doing that and for being part of the study.
0: We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. If you have a question for the doctor, 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to use it. Or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. Uh, good morning. Welcome to this portion of uh, Healthy Matters. And Dr. Hilden, of course, being your host, brought a special guest. And for those maybe joined us a little bit late, I know we have callers, we have texters. Who did you bring with you today? I brought
1: Dr. Ann Murray today. We're talking about the ESPRI study, which is an acronym that basically looked at whether healthy older adults, we'll say over, well, well it was over age 70, who didn't have heart disease or stroke or dementia, uh, generally healthy older adults, should they take an aspirin? And the the study found. Um, that no, there was no benefit to taking an aspirin in that population. In fact, there was a little bit of risk. The person who actually did the study is Dr. Ann Murray. Welcome back to the studio. Thanks for being here, Ann.
2: It's a pleasure.
1: Um, Dr. Murray is a geriatrician practicing at uh, Hennepin Healthcare, my place. She is the director of the Berman Center, which is the research arm, uh, one of the research institutes at Hennepin that um, that did this study in conjunction with colleagues from Australia. It was recently, it's been all over the world, literally. We're talking about it here today. And She's one of my colleagues um, at the hospital, and she's very graciously agreed to be with us today. But she's literally all over the world. This is on national news and international news, because it really will truly affect the way we practice. So we, you, you found in the study that healthy older adults didn't get benefit from taking a daily aspirin. Can you answer this question, if I'm already on one? Should I stop?
2: Now That's a great question, and many, many people have asked us that. Unfortunately, the study wasn't really designed to answer that question. However, we are going to look at the data and do further analyses and look backwards to see among those who had been on aspirin before they started the study, is there a difference in those who were then randomized or assigned to aspirin versus placebo in their risk of all of the outcomes of the heart disease, the dementia disability. But there's
1: not likely to be a difference between those two groups. You had 20,000 people.
2: Well, there could be. Could there, there actually, be a difference? There could be because um, the people who had been on aspirin probably usually for several years before they started the trial, they then had to stop for about three months, to kind of clear their system. Um, and then if they were randomized to aspirin, they probably had a lower risk of having bleeding problems because they hadn't had them before when they they were already on aspirin. So that's a little bit of a different population. So it's possible that they might have had a little benefit, but we won't know that until we really look at the data.
1: Okay, so you can't say for sure, but if you are not on one yet, this study is fairly strong evidence that you probably shouldn't
0: start.
2: Right. Do not start. Yep.
0: Okay. We're gonna um go
1: to the phone lines and go
0: to the text lines. All right, very good. See who's been waiting, it would be uh Lou who's calling in from Bloomington. Lou, you're on CCO, good morning.
2: Good morning. I have a question. I'm on um uh, uh Tylenol and I have uh, I have a pacemaker and I have um metropolol and pharosimide and, and uh various other <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> medications. But yeah. I cannot take aspirin. Okay, But what's the difference between aspirin and Tylenol? Yeah, that's a great question. They're actually not related at all, although they both can relieve pain. Um, Tylenol does not thin the blood or prevent against heart disease or stroke. Um, So I'm not sure why you're unable to take aspirin. Sometimes it's because of bleeding risk. Um, But uh, Tylenol will not have the same effect as the aspirin.
1: Let me ask you this question from the text line, um, and it says, my, my parents take a pill for everything. They put that in quotes. <laughs> my parents take a pill for everything, including baby aspirin. Where can I take them, and what do I ask to get a full blood test workup or physical to see if they really need all these pills? I think they're taking many because they just started and didn't quit. That is from uh, the texter's name is also Anne. So what do you do about that? You are a geriatrician. Right. You see older adults. Right. What do you do about they come in with this slew of pills? One of them's baby aspirin.
2: Yeah. So the first thing we do as geriatricians when we see a new patient is go through their medication list and try to eliminate all those that really aren't necessary or potentially have side effects that are harmful. Um, and if they are on aspirin for no clear reason, we stop it. Um, however, it's important to remember that until a spree, until our study was published, we really weren't sure what to do um, with people 70 and older if they hadn't had a heart attack or stroke, whether they should be on a baby aspirin. Um, so it's understandable that many people are on it already for unclear reasons. Um, but in, in our practice, we would not start them on aspirin. And if there was no clear reason for them to be on it, we would stop it.
1: So I can, uh, to that texter, I, uh, as a primary care doctor, you know, I recommend seeing a geriatrician. Um, like Dr. Murray or one of her colleagues. Uh, if your health system doesn't have one, we do. <laughs> uh, you can come to Hennepin. We have um, uh, we have great geriatricians. And you don't have to see a geriatrician, but um, they are specialists in, in older adults. And if you, I would recommend it. Um, and I'm going to give you the number, 612-873-6963, 612-873-MYMD and ask to see somebody from our geriatrics um, department. Or if you you don't want to do that, um, go to your doctor and bring your med list and make an appointment just for that purpose. Yes. Uh, How about that?
2: Yep. Just make an appointment to review medications, and mm-hmm. if you have the aspirin question that would that will take up the entire appointment. it
1: will take up the whole time, so yeah. you can 't just bring in a slew of pills or a list twenty long and while you 're there for your diabetes visit, you know yeah. right. make an appointment just for this, or you could do what we do also at Hennepin is do an MTM visit, which is a medication management. From a pharmacist. So there are ways to do that. See if your health system has MTM. That's a visit with a pharmacist or see a geriatrician or your primary doctor and just talk about your medication.
2: That's a great idea.
0: 651-989-9226. Let's go back to the phones. Doris is calling in from Blaine. Doris, you're on CCO. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm a healthy 80-year-old and was diagnosed two years ago with a greater than 70% blockage in my carotid artery. An MRI was, was done to, to find this information per, per a traffic accident that caused me some vertigo. Should I continue on my baby aspirin regimen advice and wait till the, the carotid artery gets to a 95% blockage or better for surgery? That's a good one, Doris. That's <laughs> I a, can tell you are an informed listener. <laughs> uh,
1: that's a good one because she's absolutely right. That's a whole, nother st- another that's a whole other another question. When do you when do you deal with carotid stenosis? That's right. a whole nother question because right. there are surgeries and there's very specific people who should get that and that. But that's, that's what about what. aspirin? She has a
2: condition here, but right. it was caused so, by a car accident. So it's. Um, were you started on aspirin before the car accident? Uh, I was. Yes. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. Okay. Not very long ago, though.
1: So right. you were a healthy 80 yes, year old like on it. Yes, a healthy 80
2: year old. Yeah. Um, so there doesn't appear to be a reason. And again, I can't give you direct advice, but it doesn't sound like there's a good reason for you to be on it. But it's something that you should discuss with your your primary care
1: physician. Yeah, Now, so Doris doesn't meet the criteria for being on one. Right. Let's put, the, put your car accident aside, Doris. Yeah. And, and yeah. She, she didn't really meet the, the, the criteria for being on asthma, but maybe somebody put her on one for the, some of the reasons we do. Well, it sounds like a good idea, but there yeah. probably didn't need to be on one. Right. Now that you have carotid stenosis, now that you know that, you had it before, but now you simply know it. Yeah. Um, that's a much more complicated
2: it's a very complicated, complicated question. question, but seventy percent is pretty common in somebody that's eighty and healthy.
1: Yeah, so that one uh, talk to your person who is who's, who's um, who made that diagnosis. But it sounds like maybe not. Um, well, anyway, like we said, we can't get specific <clears throat> advice. Yeah. But you Thanks, bring Doris. up a thank you for your call. How about this one? We're going to go to the text line if we could. Um, so here's a person who's in a different age group. This person's at the tender age of 65, and the texter says this. I'm 65, and my doctor has had me taking baby aspirin
2: for years. Should I stop? Well, the question is why were you started? Should you started? have started? Yes. <laughs> why were you started, and um, were they? was your doctor thinking, well, you have uh, a lot of cardiovascular risk factors, such as diabetes or high cholesterol or uncontrolled hypertension, um, and uh, have a greater than 10% risk of a heart event in the next 10 years. Those are the, the guidelines existing now for people in your age group. Um, so I, I can't say what why they started you on it, but um, if you have not had any of those problems in the past, there doesn't appear to be a reason for you to be on it.
1: Here's another one, similar. Well, a little different, but similar. I'm a 60-year-old female. Family history of heart disease. Family history. I have well-controlled high blood pressure. My doctor said I should continue my low-dose aspirin.
0: Do you agree? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so, again, I, I can't give specific advice, but um, just going by the the existing what we call U.S. Preventive Task Force guidelines, um, that would not be enough reason to— This would be a no, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would be a no.
1: Yeah, yeah and again we we say this at the top of every show we can never give specific advice to you um you have to that we don't know you and, and you know it's a text message yeah. but we can tell you what the guidelines say yeah. and this texter the guidelines would say there's probably not a reason right. for you to be on an aspirin
0: all right we need to take a quick break here we have more show to come 651-989-9226 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807 uh, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about aspirin this morning, taking your phone calls and text messages. And I, you can see, Dr. Hilden, we have, we have both. Before we get back. We do have
1: um, plenty more. I just want to remind people to go to the blog site for the show. It's called myhealthymatters.org. You can subscribe by email. Um, I haven't put anything up for about the last few weeks because I've been busy. But um, I did put up a recent link to a, an essay I had written that is only marginally related to health care, but it's related to wellness. I talk about um, music, actually actually, in its, in its role. Um, I, I link you to the Minnesota Orchestra, where I did an essay about music. So I encourage you to look at that. At it was my, fantastic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. It's at myhealthymatters.org. As always, if you need to see a doctor or a primary care physician, maybe you need a geriatrician, check us out at hennepinhealthcare.org. hennepinhealthcare.org. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Murray about aspirin in the elderly. What other studies – what have other studies shown? You've yeah. done this enormous one. It, yes. I think it's the largest one in this population, correct? It is. Largest yes. one ever done worldwide um, in 70-year-olds and older. Right. What other studies are out there? What is the yeah. – what, other, what, what so else is ours there? Ours was
2: the only one that was done in the older age group. But there were two other very large studies, so just slightly smaller than ours, one in England and the U.K. Um, and another that was in several European countries and the U.S., so, the one in the UK was done in diabetics uh, with the idea that diabetics are at a, heart, a much higher risk of heart disease. That's what we've thought. Yep, and it's true. Um, and they had a very similar design for their study uh, using 100 milligrams of daily aspirin, but their age group was younger, went down to as low as 50. So, their mean age, their average age, was about 62. So, uh, 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 considerably younger. Yeah, considerably younger. Um, and what they found is that the, the aspirin did decrease the risk of heart disease by about 10%, which is similar to previous studies for secondary um, heart disease prevention, but the bleeding risk outweighed that benefit. And so they did not recommend aspirin for primary prevention in that age group.
1: So even in the younger age group, there was, um, there's not a recommendation to take aspirin from there.
2: For primary for prevention. For primary
1: prevention. So what we're talking about is people who do not have heart disease, people who didn't have not had a stroke, people who have not had a heart attack. Right. That's what primary prevention is. It's trying to prevent the first problem. Right. Whereas secondary prevention is you've already had one of those things. Aspirin has been shown in that group, right. correct? Correct. Well, let's be clear about that. So if, your doctor, if you had a heart attack and your doctor said you should be taking an aspirin, you should be. All that right. That is well known. Okay, to the phones.
0: To the phones. Katie is calling from Coon Rapids. Katie, the doctors are listening. Good morning. Thanks for taking
2: my call. Um, what about if you have a family history? Um, my family, my dad's side of the family, they smoked. And they all of them died from heart disease. Um, so anyway, my doctor has me on a baby aspirin. Uh, I've never had a heart attack. I'm very healthy, and I'm a 70-year-old. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> is, you know, family history have a lot to do with this. Family history does, but your family history is complicated by the smoking. Um, So it's not clear how much of your family history of heart disease was due to the smoking versus a genetic predisposition. Um, And it doesn't sound like that in enough is uh, able to justify being on aspirin. But there there may be other factors that, that I'm not aware of or that you may not be aware of that your doctor used the aspirin for. So I think it warrants another discussion.
1: All right, um, it sounds like Katie was in the the esprit she would have qualified for the study absolutely she's seventy, yep. otherwise healthy, yep, and so she probably would have qualified to be in the study, and the study showed that there was no benefit and there was an increased risk of bleeding. How much increased risk of bleeding yeah, was so there
2: forty percent increased risk of bleeding that's a lot
1: that is a lot,
2: yeah,
1: all right um can we go to, do we have time for the Yes, are, uh, I
0: tell you what, I think we have time for one more call. John is uh, on the horn. Go ahead, John, with your question, please. Yes, uh, I'm a heart bypass patient. Uh, I'm coming up on 21 years since I had quadruple bypass. And I've been on baby aspirin for uh, ever since the bypass, which is coming up on 21 years next
2: month. Do I continue taking that? Yes, you do. Absolutely.
1: So John is the primary versus secondary prevention, correct?
2: He is the secondary prevention.
1: Yep. you've yep. already had heart disease, so you should continue.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Good question. Keep on it. So so
1: here's another person that's saying, what is it on the text line, what is it really gonna hurt if we continue to take baby aspirin as long as we've been taking it all along anyway?
2: Well, it really does increase your risk of bleeding and we don't see A net benefit from it.
1: Yeah. So when there's no benefit and there's a 38 or 40% increased risk of bleeding, that's why you shouldn't be taking it. Right. I do want to emphasize, you know, John, from his phone call, he had a heart bypass surgery. That Mm -hmm. means he has coronary disease. He's had problems before. The aspirin has been shown to be beneficial for that person. Yep. For John, Absolutely. But if you haven't had those things, if you're trying to prevent that first heart attack, just kind of like in the name of healthy living, there's probably not a reason to be doing that. And, we're, and not the case even for people over age 70.
0: We've got about a minute and a half to go, doctor.
1: Okay, maybe we can do one more from the text line. Oh, there's a lot of them here. <laughs> um, let's see if I can do one that's a little bit different. Um, Great show, very interesting topic. Will you be doing any further studies studying the the use of baby aspirin and its non-use in the disease states of dementia, memory loss, or cardiovascular yeah, disease? That's and you've a, got about 45 seconds.
2: That's a great question. So we are actually hoping to continue the esprit study. It will be called ESPRI XT if the government, if the National Institute on Aging approves uh, the grant we applied for, and we should hear about that soon. And if so, we would continue studying the same people for another five years to see if there's a long-term or what we call legacy effect of aspirin on any of the outcomes, any of the diseases that we were looking at. Um, that's that's our plan. We'll, we'll, we'll hope that it, it happens. Let's hope that study gets yeah.
1: funded. We've been talking with Dr. Ann Murray, who is a, a researcher in the use of aspirin in healthy older adults, and maybe you should reconsider if you're doing that. Um, and uh, w- the study showed that uh, there is no benefit, and there is an increased risk. So, thank you, Dr. Murray, for being here. Thank you. It's been a real, pr- uh, real privilege. He's an internationally known researcher. Next so I week, appreciate quickly that. on the so show, we're open gonna, lines. Next open
0: week. lines next week here on Healthy Matters. We hope you join us then.